Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. We're just regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about Magic the Gathering in particular, the online client Arena. And in particular this week, we're talking about some new cards, but also organized play. Heck yeah. Yes. Back on the menu, baby. Big changes announced for MTG Arena that, you know, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about all the new stuff, man. Uh, But first, each week we both bring a beer. We drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? All right, we're continuing on where we left off at Third Moon Brewing Co. This week, I'm bringing their Death Dealer. Uh, So, you know, we were pretty tame last week with a Pilsner and a Sour. This week we decided to up the ante a bit. This is a porter. It is 7%. And uh, it has, the art is like pretty pretty creepy. It's like a skeleton that's been shot by multiple arrows. So this person's dead. And, uh, <laughs> he was dealt death. Lying, lying up against a sign or something uh, with some mountains in the background. Yeah. I'm thinking it must be Boromir based on That's, the that's of what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say it looks chest. like Boromir. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's been a while since we've had a porter on, so when I saw they had a porter, I figured we had to we had to do it. Oh, absolutely. We love our dark beers here on the Arena Regulars. Ooh, so it's glad to I'm glad to be back tasting some of these um tasty dark stuff. I don't know why. <laughs> it just kinda came to me. That's anyway, <clears throat> let's moving on. <laughs> we have some magic news. Oh my gosh. Do we have it? <sighs> Holy crap. Well, first off, of course. The Streets of New Capena will go live on Arena the day this episode comes out. As you're listening to it right now, you can play on Arena. But there was a paper pre-release this weekend, and Jeff was lucky enough to go to one. Is that right? Yes, that is that is correct. Uh, I went to a, a pre-release for Streets of New Capena, and it was a lot of fun. Um, my pool wasn't very good, but, you know, that happens. I picked... Jund, or sorry, I picked the Riveteers. Yeah, there you go. And I opened a lot of white cards, and so it was a decision of whether I should play Cabaretti and ditch all of like my black, my Riveteer gold cards for my superior white cards, or just stay the course with the Riveteers that I selected beforehand. I think I made the wrong choice. I stuck with the Riveteers, but you know, I think my deck was kind of bad enough that I should have taken the higher variance like really good white cards that i had and and tried to to scam some games with lucky draws but you know live and learn live and learn um i went one and two okay all right you did win at least once i did manage to squeak out uh in the o2 bracket uh squeak out my last round (laughs) just just um, at the end just right before you went and grabbed beers you're like i'm just gonna beat somebody (laughs) that's right but uh, it was really, really fun. Everyone was super nice and positive. Um, so, you know, even though I didn't do well, that's not really the point of the pre-release. I still had fun. You know, I've had pre-releases where you like 3-0, but you played against people that are... Not fun. You know, not fun to play against. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that sucked. And pre-releases where you go 0-3, but everyone was super fun. So you had a great time. Yeah. Uh, so this was closer to the latter, for sure. That's great. That's That's awesome. I, uh, I'm very glad you got to go. I probably would have done, um, four color if I was in your position, just jam in the white stuff. Hope that <laughs> well, I have well, treasure that's the thing, makers. I had no fixing. Like I had, <laughs> I had, 
I got a couple of the crappy, like, Tri-Land Evolving Wild things, and that's pretty much it. So, uh, even playing Gen, or, like, Red, Black, and Green was already stretching it a bit. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> um, I just didn't have playables in just Red and Green, so I had woof. With that, we do have some more news. Of course, we talked about that earlier. There is a new digital organized play announcement. Uh, we have been talking about this or hoping for it. Um, at the end of March, we got some big news that uh, Magic Organized Play is back. And that was all basically a paper announcement talking about the Pro Tour and the World Championship. But now we get to see how Arena fits into all of that. And boy, do we have a lot of options. And this was super exciting for me. I, I loved hearing about this. So we want to break this down to you, but there are a lot of nitty gritty details. But uh, Jeff, you were mentioning that they kind of ported this over from MTGO. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I think the first thing to understand is these qualify, a lot of it kind of revolves around the qualifier weekends, which we already had. So you remember we had qualifier weekends, if you did really well in them, like uh, they're, they're sort of arena open style events. Uh, day one, you have to get seven wins to move on to day two. And in day two, you have to get seven wins before you lose twice um, or maybe eight wins. You know, they always fiddle with the numbers yeah. a bit. Um, and, but if you manage to do that, you were qualified for the set championship. Well, the set championship is no more. That was kind of a placeholder while COVID was happening and they figured out their new system. They're not doing set championships after the new Capenna one, I want to say. Yes. And so... Instead, that will be that qualification will be replaced with something called the Arena Championship. Um, so that'll happen uh, four times a year, right? Basically every set, uh, just like the the Pro Tours, and it's it's the same thing. The qualifier weekend, instead of feeding into these set championships, now feeds into these Arena Championships. Uh, they sound super awesome. Thirty two players will play in them, uh, so that kind of tells you how few people qualify in qualifier weekends, which was a little surprising to me. I thought more people would be able to get the perfect record in the qualifier weekend. Not like there's three of them and they only submit 32 players in total. But uh, yeah, so it's a $200,000 prize event. But what is changing is how you get into the qualifier weekend. So in the old system, you would qualify for the qualifier weekend by coming in the top... 1200 uh rank at the end of a rank season in arena so you know when the month ends if you were in the top 1200 and either constructed or limited all of those players get qualified for this qualifier weekend and i think there were some like you know exceptions if you were already qualified for the event you don't qualify for the qualifier weekend or if you're a pro like mpl player you don't you know, have to do whatever. that, yeah. Um, but for the most part, for, for the rest of us folks, that was the only way. Well, they're changing that now. So you can still qualify from ladder, um, but instead of being the top 1,200, they've cut it down to, I believe, the top 250. Yeah. A lot so, I mean, like, uh, that's a lot less, yeah. Um, but to me, it's uh, exactly the same because I never got to right. top 1200. Right. I never really tried. It was not something I was interested in. It seemed like very unattainable. Um, like I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, feel the same way. So um, to me, it's like, oh, cool. You know, it's just you most of the time, the people that are up there fighting are already just trying to get number one anyway. So like, whatever, right. what's the difference? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, exactly. 
Um, I've done it, I think, three times, and most of those times were in the past uh, when there were a lot fewer like people players. Play. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was certainly easier. I'm not going to pretend it wasn't. And but at that time, it was only the top 1,000. Gotcha. But anyways, sort of a that's how long ago it was. It's a different <laughs> era. Uh, I think I did it once in constructed, once in limited, and then once it happened randomly, and I was like, okay, I've, I've done it all, and now I oh. never need to go through that again. Oh, I'm Jeff. <laughs> Oops, I guess I just got in the top one thousand or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot easier. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's not the accomplishment that it sounds like. Um, all right. Now, in, so okay, you know, a thousand, um, more than a thousand fewer people. 2,000, I guess, limited and constructed. Mm-hmm. So where are all the other people coming from? Well, what's going to happen is anytime you play in an event, like let's say a constructed event or a limited event, uh, if you get the max number of wins, you get qualifier points. points. Yeah. Right. And these qualifier points uh, let you compete in a qualifier play-in. So before every qualifier weekend, there will be two qualifier play-ins. One will be best of one, and one will be best of three. And if you do well enough in either of those events, you get to qualify for the qualifier weekend. As I said, the qualifier play-in, you can enter with these qualifier points. Or if you didn't get enough qualifier points, you could just buy your way in. Yeah. So these things, the pricing system is very similar to an arena open. Uh, I think the price is the same, actually. Mm-hmm. Twenty or 25,000 gold. And uh, or four thousand gems, so it's twenty thousand gold or four thousand gems, or twenty play-in points. Yeah. And just for an idea, if I were to ace a constructed event, if I go, you know, five wins in a best of three alchemy event, I get four play-in points. So I would have to do that five times in order to get uh, enough tokens to qualify for this. Yeah. Which um, I think is great. The the one thing about those those play-in events are that, um, so you're saying there's a best of one uh, event and a best of three event. The best of one event is one week prior to that qualifier weekend, and it is only one day. I believe it's the Saturday. And then the best of three um, qualifier, the play-in event, is the day before the qualifier weekend, which is the Friday um, before that Saturday. So both of those are just um, single-day events. You know, you don't have to try to day two. You just need to spike that one event. And... um, like you said, you can just buy your way in. So anyone can play those, and you can play both of them. Um, yep. If you have the play-in points and you want to save them for another time, you can just try to buy your way in and do it that way um, whenever you think that you won't be able to get more play-in points for the, the next qualifier weekend or anything like that. So um, they seem pretty yeah, cool. It's worth mentioning. It's all transferable, right? Like if I win limited events, the you know I can use those play-in points to get in a constructed event. Mm-hmm. Or if I decide, well, it's constructed, you know, I only play limited, I'm not going to do well. You can wait until a limited one shows up yeah. and save your points. Which is awesome. Save, you know, 40 points to try to enter twice. Yeah, which is yeah, just, I think it's really sweet. Um, which also brings us just to having constructed events that really mean something. Like, so when we say constructed yes. events, we're talking about the ones that you can go to on the new Playblade where you're like, all oh, the things I can play. It's like right. all the events that I don't know if you play them, um, but basically you can use gold or gems to enter, but you get um, individual card rewards and gold out of them. These are usually events we don't care for just because um, I like to turn my gold into gems. And so an event that doesn't pay in gems or packs, because packs give us, um, it helps you with your wild card wheel. Um, mm-hmm. Both of those things are things I'm interested in. 
individual card rewards and gold are I'm much less interested in. So I don't tend to play these. Now, with an event that's like, oh, hey, this event um, for the best of three one is 750 gems or 5,000 gold, so half a draft. And you could win all your, like, a bunch of gems back. Like, five wins is 1,000 gems, three packs, and four playing points. That's awesome. I'm really interested yeah. in this, right? Yes. I never played these before. I think I honestly could probably count on one hand how many of these events I did. And probably I just didn't know what it was when I was first playing. And I played in one and then was like, well, that was dumb. I'm not playing in that again. Yeah. But now they've revamped, as you're saying, they've revamped the whole prize structure to include paying out in gems and playing points. And I will definitely be playing. This will probably be the main way that I play now. Yes. Before it was almost entirely ranked. Because for a long time, like, I, everyone knows I like drafting a lot. And a lot of it is because I really enjoy sitting down and just playing an event. I like going and be like, all right, I'm going to play this event. And when I'm done, I'll just stop. And that's how I like to play a lot of the time. So the latter can seem like this endless void of just like playing. This is going to be much more competitive. Um, and you get to play in these events and then you can actually get rewards that you want that will help your collection out, which before right. we didn't really have a great way for constructed players to do this. So, um, Big, awesome, love these. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, not only is ladder sometimes like an endless void, like you were saying, it's also like if I know that I'm not going to have enough time, I'm not going to have enough free time to play enough matches to like get up a rank or whatever to get up a, into a higher tier, it feels pointless, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, oh yeah, I could win a bit, maybe go from silver two to silver one, but I won't be able to play enough to get up to gold or platinum this season so it's just sort of playing. And, you know, it's obviously still fun to just play, and I'm not saying you wouldn't do it, but this would be more fun because you'd be like, oh, I could try to go 5-0 in one of these. Yeah. Uh, and and it put, you know, events. you do put a little bit more thought into your deck choice when you're doing that instead of like, oh, let's just test this out in the ladder, and you just play it, and you're like, oh, well, right. I don't like this deck, or I'm really bad at this, or whatever. Um, this is a great way to learn a lot about your deck is whatever you're brewing. You're like, well, I put in an event. Um, I quickly learned that I wanted this card out and I kept drawing it the whole time. <laughs> it was annoying, um, which will happen. But I, I just think that I'm going to play a, a lot more constructed now that we have this, this, uh, available. Um, and you were mentioning sort of alluding to it that I was saying, this is basically how magic online does it. Mm -hmm. So ma in magic online, you play in leagues and these leagues are just, you play five matches. If you win, you know, your rewards for that are subject to how many wins you get. It's very similar. I think you need four wins to have broken even on the entry fee. Um, and if you get the full five wins, you do get these. I don't think they're called plan points, but they're called qualifier tokens or yeah. something. And it's exactly the same that there's always a big tournament, uh, you know, uh, every month or so where you need these qualifier points to play in them it's a little different because that tournament is actually a tournament rather than an arena style tournament it's mm -hmm. like uh you only get one entry because there's only one event uh, it's swiss and you uh, i don't believe you're allowed to pay your way in like you have to have enough qualifier points yeah and then they have seasons where your qualifier points expire they, they have to be used in that season but otherwise it's the same it's and <clears throat> when i used to play magic online before arena really took off <clears throat> this system was a lot of fun i would often engage in it and if i was lucky enough in a month in a season to like get enough qualifier points i'd play in this big fun event and uh it's a really really cool system it makes it feel like you're always playing for something you know 
it leads to a bit of people like losing one match, knowing they won't get playing points and conceding the league um, to try and jump back in. But it's like, it doesn't really bother me if other people are doing that. Like, yeah. That's a waste of money, like of resources on their part. But if they're willing to spend those resources to try to maximize qualifier points, what do I care? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, whatever. If you draft and then you just like resign the draft and don't play and then start over, that doesn't hurt right. me at all. So, um, no, I think this is, these are really cool and I'm excited to, to have something that feels more, um, tangible for me, even if I don't ever get enough of the points to actually play in the plans or, um, I only do it once or something. It actually feels like I'm more engaged with what's going on with organized play where before it just felt like it was kind of a thing for other people. And I just watched on the sideline. So, um, having a, a nice totally, yeah. like ramp or like ladder to, to sh- not like, not like the arena ladder, but like, um, yeah. some sort of like, I guess the pyramid, <laughs> the pyramid picture really helps me a lot. Um, Mm-hmm. What's also nice is that when you play in the qualifier weekends, uh, you get like either qualified for the arena championship, or you could also go and play in paper in the pro tour, which is really cool. I like that you'll be able to kind of transfer over into paper if you're doing well enough and like jump into um, tabletop, which uh, is great. I think, I mean, most players play arena, but you've also probably played paper at some point or like want to. Um, so it, it does have this cool on-ramp of like, hey, I can play I can play around and figure out what decks I like, and then I end up just buying that deck in paper so I have it if I ever get to the Pro Tour, which um, I think is super cool. I'm... Totally. I'm, yeah. I'm very excited for all of this. This is one of the better systems, like when they announced a digital system. I don't know what I was expecting, but this is perfect. I, there's mm-hmm. not really anything more that I want out of my digital no. play system. What's also cool is that... Um, Best of three draft, so traditional draft, is changing their prize structure. Mm. And you are getting play-in points if you get the three wins in your draft. So in traditional draft, you uh, you just play three matches. You don't, you know, it's not like set best, uh, sorry, seven wins or three losses or whatever. It's just you play three matches. If you win all three matches, you win. And if you lose the first one, you, you can't get you can't get the max wins. That's just, it's like a regular F and M draft. If you ever do those. Um, but this actually means something to me. I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll play traditional draft now. Cause I never do. I always play best of one because it's on the ladder. Yeah. Now I can be like, well, if I want to play best of three draft, I can. And actually, you know, it opens up a bunch of cards. I usually don't want to draft or put in my deck or, um, all of that. So, all these events that I was before just wrote off as like, oh, I'm not playing any of those. It just opened all these new doors of like, oh my, For like sure. all these new treats. Like I'm so excited. Yeah, I might actually play some traditional drafts again. Right? <laughs> I think all all of this or a lot of this is getting implemented on Thursday when when a, the new Capena set comes out. Um, don't completely quote me on that, but I'm fairly positive that all the price structure stuff is going to change, uh, and you'll be able to start racking in some of these um, play-in points, but. It's uh, yeah. it's a whole new world. I am very excited for uh, for this, um, and of course, just just to be said, the arena championship you were mentioning before is the two hundred thousand dollar prize pool uh, for thirty two players up at the top, which can also qualify you for the world championship, uh, which is really exciting um, because the world championship is going to be a lot bigger than it was this last year. 
uh, and the yeah. what it's going to be next year. This I think it's a 128 person tournament or something like that. Right. Instead of like Up the from 16. 16. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so intense. Um, yeah. But this championship, there was some talk uh, when it was first announced that um, the way that these tournaments work out because it's the arena style tournament, you could technically have more than 32 players that qualify. And they had said that um, they're aware of this. And if you qualify, the tournament will change the amount of players that are in it. And so it, it's right. not, there isn't going to be some shitty breaker system where Jeff uh, qualifies but doesn't qualify. Um, <laughs> if, That's how we know I'm not going to qualify because I can't be like eliminated on breakers. Yeah. So um, so you won't even have the hope. Yeah, you'll just be out immediately. Um, yeah. But this is, oh, man. I mean, this is so cool. Very, very nice job, Wizards. This is exactly what I wanted. I'm excited to jump into some of these uh, constructed events yeah. that I've never played before on, uh, you know, the this weekend. Yeah. Jeff, our last bit of magic news. The longest magic news event we've ever had section <laughs> in our podcast. Definitely. <laughs> We're talking about a new format that's coming out. Whew. Yes. Here it comes, baby. We've been waiting for this. We knew it was coming. They told us about it. We've waited a whole month. It's going to be here. Right now, actually, as you're listening to this, it's, it's, it's available. That's right. I'm probably playing it right now. Yeah, I definitely am playing it right now. Um, it is called Explorer. So it is exactly what we were hoping it was going to be, which is <laughs> Pioneer legal cards with some sets missing. All, this, all the right. Pioneer cards on Arena. That's Explorer. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So any cards that have been changed uh, are not changed. Mm -hmm. And it uses the Pioneer ban list. So, for example, Luris of the Dream Den. No Banned. gold in Explorer. Not allowed. On the other hand, Omnath, Locus of Creation. Not nerfed and not banned. What? Crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, Fires of Invention, I think. There's a few mm -hmm. cards that are going to be where you're going to want to start, I think. But. Winota. So. Yeah, Winota, right. That's yeah. a big one. Still kind of blows my mind that that card is legal in Pioneer. But. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, if you say so, Wizards. Yep. Um, <laughs> but Thoughtseize, that's legal. Um, so there, we do have uh, some cherry-picked cards, obviously. So um, they, they've they mentioned that they want to give us more cards, and they're eventually going to put most of pioneer onto arena they aren't going to put all the cards um i wasn't around for this i never played mtgo but they were talking about how it was similar to when they were making um vintage on mtgo mm -hmm. and they started out with a format called classic which slowly grew into what vintage is so they're basically going to do that but they're using historic uh anthologies to get there so we can expect historic anthology number six this summer which should give us some staple dubious challenge, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dubious challenge. Um, some staple pioneer cards uh, right into explorer and historic. So historic just keeps just gets the runoff of every other yeah. format. Um, love it. It's just this weird place now. Um, but uh, explorer is gonna be pretty cool. I'm really sad that core spirit dancer will never be part of it. But uh, that's great. Yeah, that's good. So that's sad, but I um, still have SRAM. So, you know, Auras is it still a thing, but not as much of a thing. You know what's still a thing? Red, black, anvil. Mm. So. 
you know, there's a good starting point for me. If you just in case you were like, you know what, I'm really missing the cat oven interaction. I really enjoyed playing against that, and I would like to play it against it some more. Well, now you can in yet another format, hey. uh, Explorer. Yeah, and the the with added upside of you'll get to see Mayhem Devil again. In case you really missed Mayhem Devil, because when you can't play Luris, you might as well play Mayhem Devil. um i think it's kind of good that i won't be playing auras because uh you know that was my least favorite matchup because it was really bad for me um so maybe i'll play a deck that's much better against that it's like joe i attack with a giant lifelinker it's like chump block sack before damage you don't gain any life yeah (laughs) it's more so you don't even get to attack anymore because priest of the forgotten gods makes you sacrifice all your creatures (laughs) so none of your protection spells matter uh, that was right. Annoying. Well, I don't know if that one makes the cut in Pioneer, so we'll have to see. Well, um, I guess it doesn't really matter. I'm, it's going to be horrible. Huh? <laughs> I do recommend this deck, though, if you like those strategies, because other than, like, Thoughtseize, everything's an uncommon. <laughs> so <laughs> That's true. Uh, it's actually a pretty reasonable starting place. Like, you need cats, ovens, mayhem devils. Uh, like, I guess you need your lands. No. If you have your lands and your thought seasons, then you're yeah. good to build this deck. Which we had mentioned already when we were talking about um, Arena Economy, and we're going to talk about more of that later in this episode when we talk about acquisition. A new set is starting, so yeah. we're going to talk about how we get cards and <laughs> the best way to do that. So keep listening for that. But crafting, save all your wild cards. If there's a new format, this one's happening. If you don't have all your shock lands, you're going to want all of those for this format. So think mm-hmm. ahead. It's really hard. There's going to be a lot of things kind of pulling your, your focus through this. But if you're interested in Explorer, the lands are so huge. Your mana base is totally. really important. Make sure you start there. You got you to gotta have a good foundation, Jeff. Also, I just wanted to say I love that the first letter of the name of this format is different than all of the other formats. So that when I name my deck, I could put E in brackets and that... You know, because my collection is going to be E, Rakdos Anvil, S, Rakdos Anvil, A, Rakdos Anvil, and H, Rakdos Anvil. And it would be very confusing if those any of those two letters were the same. So um, I'm really, I, I wouldn't have put it past Wizards to call it like something that also starts with an S uh, or an H or something. So I'm really glad that they didn't do that. Well, luckily, they, um, it could have been Pioneer or Pionish. Um, yeah. I did see. Also, would have worked. I yeah. saw uh, somewhere that someone was like, "Oh, we should call it Pioneer," but it's spelled P-I-O-N-E-A-R. Pioneer. It's near it, but it's not. Got it. Pioneer. Um, that was nice. I thought it was gonna be like Pyarena or something. Pyarena. No, <laughs> yeah. the, that that Pioneer joke works a lot better on Twitter because you're reading it. But mm-hmm. whatever. Anyway, yeah. it, there you go. It's uh, I stole it from someone on Twitter. What else is new? <laughs> Um, (laughs) so we get all of our information from elon musk yeah from (laughs) hooray uh maybe listen to our after party if you want to hear our thoughts on that but anyway um so this is really exciting um it's a huge week this is the biggest news i think we've ever had about arena even like the alchemy stuff was huge this is bigger this is yeah everything is changing it's all awesome i'm so excited um there's no part of me that's like oh i don't know we'll have to find out it's so funny though because it just feels like they just took like a one-year break from pioneer on arena yeah originally they were like we're gonna bring pioneer to arena but it's gonna take a while 
And then they said, now we scrapped that plan. We're going to do it. But we have, and later it's like, we have an announcement of something really cool. It's like, Pioneer on Arena. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. You you just said you weren't going to do that anymore. Um, There you go. So, but the biggest thing with it is that we're not getting remastered sets. Sorry, I didn't mention that before. When they're bringing cards over, it will not be remastered sets like we had with Kaladesh and Amonkhet. It is going to be historic anthologies. I don't know how large these are, but it will be exciting that you could just buy them. Like, you don't get to draft them, which is a bummer. I did like drafting those sets, but mm-hmm. having a product where you could just be like, yeah, I will just buy the collection, and then you can just have all the cards. Um, Dig Through Time or Riot, first one. <laughs> uh, if I don't see Dig Through Time, I'm going to be disappointed, Wizards. Well, <laughs> there we go. The, I, I, <laughs> Dig Through Time and Dootbeast Challenge. Those will be the two that you need to see. Yeah, um, I mean, well, Dubious Challenge is a shoe in Yeah, I'll, I'll figure out. Favorite part. I'll figure out something that I I really want in uh, in in it, but um, we'll have to wait and see for that. But um, but yeah, wow, it's uh, it's been a good day. This is like the most home run slam dunk Wizards has done on Arena. I'm yeah. Yeah, I've I'm most like excited to play for a long time with, especially with a cool new set dropping, yeah. uh, completely revamped reward system and. Uh, you know the, this new format I mean, it's all it's all, it's all great what like what could be better amazing yeah too bad i have to work this weekend <laughs> <laughs> i have some friends coming in from out of town i might tell them to just stay home you know what just like, nah, don't 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 come don't just yeah don't come that's cool yeah come another time <laughs> yeah i got i got some stuff to do um but jeff with that i think we should uh grab some more beers and uh talk about our next uh thing yeah let's do it this beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on patreon that's right you're already supporting the show just by being a listener but if you want to support the show even more best way to do that is over at our patreon and when you become a patron you get an exclusive invite to our after party which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one where we ramble on about um i guess elon musk and twitter stuff (laughs) yeah plus if you ever go to a tournament in the Toronto area, you might run into one of us, and then we get to go for beers after, just like our patron, Pete. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars uh, to, uh, you know, maybe grab some beers with us sometime. All right, Zach, so I started us off with a 7% porter to kick things off. Uh, what do you <clears> got here? What would you bring? Well, I thought I would bring a stout, a double stout, to be exact, just to, um, you know, have a fighting chance against a porter. Um, This is their Vanilla Bean Dead Don't Die. So I believe that they usually have a Dead Don't Die uh, that was not available when we were going to grab beers. But um, this is their Vanilla Bean version. So it's from Third Moon, as all of our beers have been for this week and last week. And it is a double stout with chocolate, Madagascar vanilla beans, and lactose. And it is 8.5%. Healthy percents this week. Always love to see that. Now, I do need to ask you, because I definitely did not follow the directions on this can. Oh, shit. I feel like there's maybe a chance that you did, but I am serving it at nowhere near 14 degrees. It's way, <laughs> way below that. So this can says to serve at 14 degrees. Oh, boy. So, you know, my American mind says 14 degrees is very cold. Um, ah, no. <laughs> it's not. No, 14 is just like, not room temperature, but like slightly chilled. Whoops. It's like a, yeah, exactly. It's it's a tough 
temperature to get a drink to you know it's probably like my room is 21 degrees yeah and my fridge is four degrees or but right degrees. now as of today what's the weather today it's something close to that right it's probably around 14 yeah i right? guess we could have just left it outside i should just put it i yeah i just kept it outside let me I'm, I'm gonna check real quick because i think this is really important um right now it feels like 12 damn that would have been really wow. good would have been too would have been too cold so close but uh sorry outside um anyway no um mine's way colder should we just wait until it gets warm no that sounds stupid. yeah yeah maybe we'll re we'll restart this in in like three hours fuck no i'm just drinking this (laughs) Mm. okay interesting Hmm. all right well we will be talking about this beer later but uh (laughs) in any case let's talk about some acquisition so we were uh, discussing this a little bit before, and we want to focus a little bit more on this uh, coming around for this set season. So obviously, um, we have a certain amount of sets each year. They're not always the same. Usually it's four. Sometimes it's five. It's never less than that, I guess. Um, <laughs> they don't just do like three or two. Like, it's either four or it's going to be way more. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, when we're playing on Arena... Um, we do this thing that we haven't talked about a lot, but it's like basically your acquisition period. And it's the time where you spend all of your resources to focus on trying to get the cards you want to build decks you want to build. And I think we, we've, we've done a good enough job talking about um, how we get cards, but I think we need to put a little bit more focus on just like, you know what? Um, this is, a I put a lot of brain power and like do focus specifically on like, this is what I'm doing for this week. Like I am just focusing on trying to do this and I can't do a lot of other things until this is finished. Um, so we're going to do that. Um, so yeah. we're bringing back our no pass lists, which we've talked about before or bringing them back. Jeff, what's a no pass list? Yeah. So a no pass list is exactly what it sounds like during a draft. If I see a card on my no pass list, I do not pass it. <laughs> I take it. Perfect. So, for those who haven't, you know, heard us talk about this before, or even for those who have and need a refresher, um, there's a lot of sort of discussion in the community where people will tell you, you shouldn't take a rare over a good common or uncommon that will uh, benefit your deck better. It's called rare drafting. It's kind of frowned upon by a lot of people, kind of looked down on. Yeah, those are the people that also frown upon net decking. Um, uh-huh. We're not those people. Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> uh, we are very pro rare drafting and net decking. <laughs> yeah, in fact, we're actually going to recommend that you net deck somebody so that you know what to rare draft. Um, yes, <laughs> that is exactly uh, what we're going to say. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, no, there's no no issue with rare drafting. Uh, don't feel bad for doing it. We do it all the time. You should feel good about doing it. Um, you know, the reality is that that common or uncommon is so unlikely to actually change the outcome of the draft in a significant enough way that uh, that it's worth more than the rare that you're definitely going to play. It's worth more than some random rare that you'll never play, but it's not worth more than a rare that you know you're going to play. So mm-hmm. um, when we decided on the no pass list, what that means is these are cards we want to rare draft. These are cards we know we're going to play. We're going to at least try them out for a fun deck. Or take them because we know they're going to be good in a deck that you know will be tier one or, or whatever we saw in that deck that's doing really well. We want these cards. We make a little list to remind ourselves and to actually 
it's really helpful to go through the process and say, these are the cards I'm actively after. Because it, you will you will come across the time where you're drafting, um, which it's really important to say, the best way to get a collection on Arena is drafting. If you don't like drafting, I suggest you uh, learn how to like drafting. Because at this uh, period of time, well, we will see how the constructed events work, but the easiest way to get a big collection and a full collection is just by drafting. So Easy is kind of in quotation marks there. It, yes. Drafting it's, is hard. Sorry, drafting so. is very hard. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I just meant as, a, as opposed to just like trying to grind out um, random uh, ICRs yeah. or just like using straight money, I guess. Uh, you can do that if you have those funds. That's great. Go for it. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, open packs, mm-hmm. you can do that as well. But um, if you just want to get a bunch of playables for the set, drafting is a really great way to do that um, and can be uh, fairly inexpensive if you're um, semi-decent at drafting. So going into the draft, it is good to have a no-pass list, like we said before. And it's good because I am one of those people that when I see a rare, um, it's a little bit easier in arena, but if it's in person, I have a hard time looking at it and just letting it go. And then, um, cause you're trying to tell yourself, no, I'm trying to build a deck. I'm, I'm focused on this. And you look at that like $10 card in your hand and you're like, but it's $10. Now on arena, every card is the same price as far as like, it, like a rare is a rare wild card and a mythic is a mythic wild card. So it's, um, not the same feeling, but you know, you don't want to have to make that decision in the draft. You want to have made that decision prior to the draft and so you know which cards you won't ever pass. And then every other card, you're just like, if it, is it good for my deck or not? And then you can go from there. Right. And importantly, there's no dust in Arena. So like, you know, if you don't know what that means, go back, listen to our uh, Arena Economy episode. Um, but basically, like, if it's a Mythic Rare, you're never, ever going to play. You can't trade it in for a Mythic Rare you're going to play the same way you can in paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... You know, having a good idea of the ones you want to play and that make it worth it to take during the draft is a good idea. Yeah. And this is something we're going to try to continue to talk about and work on throughout the next like month or so or, or kind of through this set. Um, so we're starting today talking about ideas or things that we're interested in and decks we want to build and want to play and cards that we think will be good in those. And then we'll kind of see how they go through. Um, so you can kind of follow our journey as we, we do the next few episodes. But um, this is basically what it's like playing arena, you know. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah. I, this is how I you get to give some To give some transparency, it was like, you know, we talk about drafting being a good way to build a collection and how we, you know, use draft to target cards we want for our uh, decks that we're interested in playing. But, you know, we realized, well, we talk about that a lot, but we don't, like, show mm-hmm. ourselves doing that. And so this is our attempt to try to show more of, because we actually do that. We're not, you know, it's not just all talk. Yeah. And so it's like, let's actually show, let's let's give them a little more insight into what exactly we're doing. And basically, it's making a strong uh, choice um, prior to just, like, spending your gems. So if you feel worried about going into a draft and be like, well, I might just lose a bunch of gems... If you have a plan that's not only your draft plan, but your constructed plan when you're going into it, that's great. You have two plans you're working on while you're going into this thing. And so you will get value out of your draft. It, even if you go like 03 or 13, uh, I guess that's in best of one. I may be playing more best of three coming into yeah, this. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know the breakdown for I the know. traditional. 
But Although it's um, pretty harsh payout. I think you have to get all three wins to make money, but you you make good money if you do. So yeah. It's like, so. Uh, maybe it'll be more competitive, but we'll have to find that out. Uh, maybe we'll have some more best of three content for draft. Um, usually we only talk about best of one, but... I didn't even know how to sideboard at the pre-release. I was like, wait, am I supposed to sideboard? I just I just lost. Aren't I done? Is that done? Yeah, is that... Oh, well, oh my God, I sideboard again? <laughs> um, but they know my bomb. Like, the, my trick is over. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, Jeff, let's kind of go back and forth and just quickly talk about our no-pass list um, for... Uh, rare drafting and uh you know uh talk about some cards let's talk about new cards i love it yeah the first one we have to talk about here it's on both our lists and it's really five cards but these are the we've labeled them as triumphs these are the rare triple lands of the set you will pretty much always find rare duels or in this case tri lands you will always find whatever rare duels in the set are on my no pass list mana bases are just so important uh they let you they really give you a lot of freedom if you have all of the lands collected so when you build a new deck you don't have to put eight rare wild cards into the mana base Um, if you already have that mana base it really lets you build more decks and experiment a lot so you know even to the point where the path uh sorry not the pathways those are good the snarls were actually even still on my no pass list i still took the snarls even though they're some of the worst they're probably the worst dual lands on arena they're really bad but triomes are amazing if you didn't play when you know the other cycle of these was out uh they were ubiquitous uh, across all formats they're just great great lands and i expect these ones to be no no different yeah the other thing with this is that um if you kind of get into your head that you're like oh well i only want to play two colors even though this is a three color set um as far as like in standard i don't really need these lands um you're going to want these in the future and this is the time you're going to get them we're going to have rotation in september or whatever um we're going to lose a bunch of pathways you're going to want these lands get them now um they are so you're there like i said before when you're talking about shocklands for explorer they're your foundation focus on getting these this is the highest always this like this is over everything like i yeah um and it also as we go into this um if you hit um option or alt on your computer depending on which computer you have it will show you how many cards are in your collection so that's a really, you don't have to try to remember or write down how many copies you have. If you just hit that button, it'll tell you you have O of four, or two of four, or whatever. So mm-hmm. you can be like, oh, I already have four of those. So now I can pick whatever card's good for my draft deck. Right. Like one of my goals from drafting would be to get a playset of all five triumphs. I don't usually accomplish that goal of getting a playset of all of the, all five of the dual, rare dual lands. But I usually get, you know, maybe close to a playset on one of them or two or three of another something like that uh, and then i can round that out like it mm-hmm. goes a long way into your wild card uh, saving but you know that's like if i play enough to get that that'd be great just yeah a play set of all of these and that's like in close to real money like fifty dollars you know you know it could be a hundred dollars of like yeah. wild cards that you're just like picking up in the draft so and to your point about two colors like when i played blue black rogues i played a couple copies of Sagoth triome in there um, just because it's tasks for both my colors and it cycles. Like, yeah, these are just good lands. Uh, they're just good. I think there was also something about sometimes you like stole something that had a green activated ability, so it was actually like <laughs> relevant <laughs> that you had that land sometimes. Yeah, but that was very rare. You were really playing it as a dual land that you could cycle if you drew too many lands. Yes. 
Um, so those will always be on our lists uh, every single time, um, and they should be the top of yours. Uh, they will never not be the absolute top. Is uh, rare rare lands. They just tend to be rare lands that tap for colors. Utilities, eh, not not as excited about. But all right, up next. Uh... And these will often find sneak their way onto my list as well as the Planeswalkers. Uh, there's one conspicuously missing from my list, but uh, <clears throat> the Planeswalkers. I'm very interested in this set first and foremost. You know, I, I put him right after the Triomes is Obnixilis. Uh, you know, I talked earlier about how I have I play red, black, Anvil in every format. I think this is a real contender to make a big splash in red, black sacrifice decks. Uh, we talked about a bit of. We talked a lot about him last week, so I won't go into too much more detail. Go check out our previous episode if you want to hear all of our ideas on Obnixilis. Um, but this is a card I'm really, really interested in. So uh, if I see this one, there's pretty much no chance that I'm passing it, even if I'm in, you know, uh, Brokers. Is that, is that what it's called? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm also very interested in Elspeth. Again, we spent some time on Elspeth last week, so I won't rehash it all. But uh, Elspeth seems pretty good to me. I think, you know, it's a card that's kind of on the border. It could be really good and see some play, or maybe it's just not quite there and doesn't end up seeing play, but I'd rather have a couple in my collection, uh, you know, in case it's the former and, and in case I want to test it out myself. Yeah. So. And this also sometimes, it, to me, feels just like uh, Mythics in general because... Um, I know when you're starting an account on Arena, uh, your rare wild cards are really tight and you have a lot of mythics. So mythics might, to you, seem very, um, oh, I have tons of mythic wild cards. I can do whatever I want with them. Um, when you start playing more, mythic wild cards become more scarce. And so sometimes in the draft, you're like, oh, but it is a mythic that I might need for something. Um, that mm -hmm. sometimes tries to sneak its way into my brain. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, so obviously Planeswalkers. And you know, you know, splashing for a Planeswalker in a draft is also pretty fun. Um, is it good? Yeah. I don't know, but splashing, trying it is great. When someone sees that you're trying to splash something and they're like, oh, it's a Planeswalker. Oh, okay, well, I get it. Um, right. That is not, um, that's not advice. I'm not giving you advice to do this. It's just something <laughs> so that happens. financial advice. When I've had a legal rider, when I've had two eight point five percent beers, and I just decide like, oh well, maybe I'll be crazy tonight. Ooh, I'm gonna crazy. I'm gonna be crazy. Have you seen? Sorry, this is so off topic, but have you seen that TikTok where it's like, oh, you're crazy. You're a crazy girl. Oh, you're crazy. I, I have. Yeah, yeah. My wife makes that reference all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Julia need to talk more about TikToks. I should. Yeah. Is she on TikTok? I should just like uh, be friends with her so I can send her TikToks. Anyway. Yeah, you should. She would love that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep going through your uh, no-pass list. All right. Up next, we have Hostile Takeover. I just think this is kind of a cool card. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about it later, but I'm imagining that, you know, maybe there's some sort of cool Grixis control deck that exists. Like, I know for a fact that there's an Esper control deck somewhere in here. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it would be cool if there's a Grixis control deck. So Hostile Takeover, since we didn't talk about it last week, it's... Two, blue, black, red for a sorcery. Up to one target creature has base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. Until end of turn, another up to another, one other target creature has base power and toughness 4-4 four, four until end of turn. Then hostile takeover deals three damage to each creature. It's likely this is too expensive. I think they probably could have priced this at four. At five, it's probably off the table. Um, but it'd be really cool if this was good. And uh, 
the idea of like, oh, your opponent needs to have a few creatures and only one that's too big, and then you can turn your creature into something that survives this. Like, it's a very, very interesting card. Uh, so I think I will want to muck around with this, so why don't I just pick it up? The, I was just going to say that I think this card's cool because it. I don't think it goes into a control deck. I think it goes into... Um, more of a creature deck that uh, is okay with your your stuff dying and you can bring them back a little bit or having bigger creatures. Um, because it's priced at five, you could play like a three drop and a four drop that might survive and then uh, and then see what, what happens. I don't know. It seems really fun. Yeah. To, seems kind of fun to play around with just because you're dealing three to everything. I don't know. I like it. And I should mention, I'm not thinking of like a traditional control deck. Okay. This would be like a creature... A control deck that does play creatures. Wait, what? A control deck that plays creatures? That's insane. I know. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm just describing a mid-range deck. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, definitely like a mid-range deck that has a lot of top end to go over the, to win long games. Hmm. It's kind of the game game plan. What What's a top end that goes into that deck? It's uh, interesting. I don't know. Um. Well, it brings me to my next card. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're talking about mythics, but. Uh, so I have another mythic on my list here, but this one had to be mentioned. This is Lord Xander, the Collector. Again, great option for uh, top end. You have a Grixis mid-range creature deck. Uh, did, did we read this one last time? I don't think we did. All right, so it's four blue, black, red for a 6-6 six, six vampire demon noble legend. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, target opponent discards half their hand rounded down. They mill half their library rounded down when it attacks, and then when it dies, target opponent sacrifices half the non-land permanents they control rounded down. So, very, very brutal uh, triggers here. So, I do like that idea of testing this out as top end in that deck, but where I really want to play this thing is in a reanimator deck. No surprises. I love reanimator. And finally, we have something that I actually want to reanimate. But Jeff, this card doesn't have any white in it. How are you going to play it in your reanimator deck with four well, white pips? <laughs> yes, I'm glad you asked that because the best reanimation spell currently in standard actually is the quadruple white, which is a bit, a bit of a problem. One thing is you don't actually have to play uh, you don't actually have to be able to cast this card. <laughs> so it could just be something you discard. But I, my idea is it would be a Grixis deck. Um, the gr new Grixis charm is perfect in a reanimator shell. It like looks at the top five, puts something into your hand, and then uh, the rest in the graveyard. Mm -hmm. So that's a cool one. There is a cool reanimation spell in this set uh, that would be on my no-pass list, except that it's an uncommon, so... You know, whatever. You yeah. have infinite uncommon wild cards. And it's called <laughs> Graveyard Shift. It's four black sorcery. Return target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. And this spell has flash as long as there are five or more mana values among cards in your graveyard. So I think that's a very cool spell. Um, that's true. Has flash. Flash. There. Flash sounds fun. Flash, flash Xander sounds real nice. But I really want to play this card with Olivia Crimson Bride. So Ooh. that comes in. Flying haste attacks. Boom. Xander comes in. You discard half your hand. Oh, He's shit. attacking too. Xander's a you vampire. Don't, you don't lose it if you lose the Olivia. Exactly. Ooh. So uh, I think there is a Grixis reanimator deck here. Is it good? Probably not. Reanimator decks have not been good in a very long time. But is it fun? Oh, yeah. 
I can already guarantee Ooh, that deck is fun. That sounds cool. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, you don't get the attack trigger because Olivia puts him in attacking. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to mill half their library when you do it. But uh, you do make them discard half their hand and, you know, attack for nine. Yeah, and then you just do a next turn. Right. And, and you keep both creatures, exactly. Oh, man. That's awesome. Um, continuing on my mythic train here, I also want Ziatora. <laughs> you can see this is going to be... I'm going to have to draft a lot because a lot of my list is mythics. Ziatora, the Incinerator's three black, red, green, legendary demon dragon, 6-6 six, six flying. Beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, it deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target, and you create three treasure tokens. Three? That is a lot of treasure tokens. Yeah, if you, if you didn't get the memo by now, treasure tokens are really good. And so creating three is insane. And for this to do it on your end step is also very powerful because... Um, you do it right this, away. This has, it has a bit of like Goldspan Dragon vibes where I play this and immediately hold up interaction because on my end step I sack something and, and then I have three mana to work with. Yeah. Now, it's less less parable with blue than Goldspan Dragon is, so it's going to be less annoying because you're not always holding up a counter spell. But uh, That's true, but if you have Goldspan Dragon, you could just play this off the freaking treasures yeah. if you have then problems. six mana that you're creating at the end. Um, you just might play... Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yuck. And so, powerful card, I want to try it in like a Judge Treasures deck. We're getting a lot of treasure cards you know they, they love treasures they they give us more treasure cards every set and so i al always want to try a treasures style deck this is also something you can get with uh magda Ooh, that's a good a that's a good one and it like all almost resets the magda immediately like, <laughs> you get 60 percent back to to another magda trigger yeah you use five anyway. treasures to get three more <sighs> Yeah. You can you can toss the stupid Jaspera Sentinel at him, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and last but not least, certainly not least, on my list, talked about it last week. So, you know, there's not much to be said about this card, but Void Rend this is a great card. I imagine at some point I'll play this card. So yeah, <laughs> might as well get him now. Yeah, there's no way um, it can't be countered. Destroys an online permanent Esper. Awesome. Um, I saw some stuff on Twitter of people trying to say that this card is not good because it costs three mana. Fuck you. What are you talking about? No. What? Are you kidding? How much do you think a destroy any non-land permanent should cost? Like, definitely shouldn't cost two. I could tell you that. And they can't be countered? Get out of town. Come on. Yeah. Get yourself out of here. Um, uh, that's awesome. That's what great. What spell are they even comparing it to? I don't even Nothing fucking Nothing destroys... Know. I, Any non-land permanent for less than three minutes. It's Twitter, man. I don't even know. Uh, that's a crazy place. <laughs> that's a crazy place. Oh, you're a crazy girl. Oh, crazy. Oh, my God. Crazy <laughs> <laughs> I'm ashamed to know that I know what this reference is, too. I've seen no, it. it's it's great. Um, <laughs> there's there's nothing wrong with knowing a reference and sharing a laugh with a pal. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Anyway, um, let's get into my no-pass list. Uh <laughs> Quite different than yours, actually, with some similarities. Of course, I have the Triomes because lands are king, and I need to get all mm -hmm. those. Um, I did put Elspeth above Obnixilis, but those are kind of Ooh, interchangeable. They're mistake. mythic uh, planeswalkers. I, I will prefer the white one over the uh, Rakdos one myself. 
Um, and then void rend, of course, because, uh, you know, you got to do it. Um, I did throw on a bunch of other random ones that you didn't put on. Um, first, I'm just going to talk about Giada. Uh, we talked about her last week, but um, I am interested in whatever Angel's deck is coming out. I have all the pieces for that already, for the most part. Um, whether it's going to be white or white black, I don't really know. But I know Giada is going to be a part of it, so I want a part of that creature deck because I want to play that creature deck because I like creature decks. So um, I will pick up Giada whenever I see her. Um, now, that is, the with this whole no-pass list, if I get two Giadas, it starts to get a little iffy. I might have to go in the draft saying, do I need my third? I don't know. Right. Like... Now, I think Giada's a four of in any Angels deck, okay. though. Like, even though it's legendary, it's still just so important to the game plan. I to get it for turn two. And it's also just going to be such a lightning rod for removal that you won't be disappointed to have the second one in your hand because the first one will die. Immediately. Sure. You're right. You're right. Um, I'm glad that you were around to remind me that uh, four is the right number. Four is great. Yeah. Um, I thought about it since last week. I was like, you know what? It's just got to be four. People are going to kill it on site. So good. Um, then I'm also, so my big thing for this standard, I'm really interested in this like Bant deck. So this Bant counters deck, right? Do you mean, do you mean brokers counters? Oh, get out of here. You didn't say maestros <laughs> control. I said Grixis John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're trying to give me shit for, for saying Bant. Um, yeah. so, uh, this is the Bant, uh, commander dude, uh, Falco Spara Pact Weaver. It's one and a band, which is green, white, blue for a 3-3 bird demon legendary creature that is flying in trample. When it enters the battlefield, it gets a shield counter on it, and you can look at the top card of your library anytime, and then you may cast spells from the top of your library by removing a counter from a creature you control in addition to paying its other costs. So I'm interested in seeing if this will work in some sort of like band counters deck where like, I might have some counter magic, but really I want Luminarch Aspirant, and I also want Ranger Class, because those cards put counters on shit real fast. And then I just have them... Also just excellent two drops. Yeah, both of them are really good. And I just want stuff all over the place. And then being able to just pull random counters off of different creatures, like having... Um, what's that uh, hopeful... Um, initiate. Initiate. Having that card just train from something and then you can pull a counter off or you can pull two to blow up a, a problematic artifact or enchantment or I can just uh, use them with this card to play cards off the top of my library, which is also kind of redundant with uh, being able to play uh, creatures off with uh, the ranger class. I'm just kind of interested in this whole deck and some shield counters and being able to see if I can get shield counters on other things or be able to survive board wipes in this creature deck and keep moving. I'm interested in this. I don't know how good it's going to be, but um, it is what I'm kind of focusing on in this standard. Uh, I'm like, let's go. Bant cards. Yeah. <laughs> go. <laughs> my, my main concern is that it sounds like it's a little aggressive, but then it's three colors. Um, so you probably will be, from the sounds of it, you'll be like green, white, and kind of splashing blue mm -hmm. for this thing. Um, it sounds cool. Fun fact, this card whooped my ass at the pre-release. So. Fuck yeah. Mm. <laughs> Love to hear that. It's whooped Jeff's ass approved. I don't know what that is. No, yeah. I don't know whatever that is. Imagine yeah, yeah, there's, a, that, there's a check mark that just goes across, like a, a circle yeah. and a check mark. Cha-ching! 
whoop Jeff's ass. Um, but anyway, so kind of moving in this Bant deck direction. Um, the other blue card that will be in the deck will be Endless Detour, which is uh, green, white, blue for an instant. It has so many weird applications. <laughs> the owner of target spell, non-land permanent, or card in a graveyard puts it on top or bottom of their library. <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird to say. I don't think I ever saw this card. Um, wow. So it's good, though, isn't it? It, like, counters stuff or um, removes things or takes things out of graveyards when people are trying to use them, like reanimator stuff. So so it's kind of like bad, uh, but more general Ether Gust. Yes. So it's an Ether Gust that costs one more, but all specific mana. But I believe I get to choose if it goes on top or bottom. So if I want to see that card again, there you go. Here's that stupid one drop from the beginning of the game in your graveyard. It goes on top of your library. Just no, spare a no, sentinel. It's the owner, right? Does it say the, the owner? Owner of target spell. Oh fuck! On the top of it. It's ether gust. Damn it! It is ether gust. Oh, reading it's the card. It's ether gust, but it's it doesn't have to be against red or green permanents, and it also does this graveyard thing. I think this card is good. It's good. It's good, but it, I was really excited that I got to put stupid shit on top of the library. You're right. I would be. It would be busted if you got to choose. Dang it! <laughs> no. I did, but although it would fit the name, just like four endless detours in a row, yeah. you draw the same Jasper Sentinel. Jasper Sentinel. Jasper Sentinel. Oh, it's Jasper Sentinel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like we've passed this street before. Um. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I think this card is great. Uh, if the deck that I'm playing ends up morphing into Falco Spara is not good, but this card is good, I'm so fine. This card's sweet. I'm really, I'm really interested in this. Um, so I'm going to make sure I have four of them just in case I want to use them for, uh, well, whatever is happening. Also, I love that the flavor text, I would totally thought it was going to be someone being taken advantage of by a taxi driver, but no, the taxi driver is the one getting tricked. What does it say? After diverting around the 11th construction barrier, the taxi driver began to suspect she was being herded into a trap. Interesting. So like somebody gets into a cab and then is trying to pull the cab driver into a scam? <laughs> Maybe. Because in a cab, I guess, it's different than Uber. So like a cab driver is like listening to their telling them to, to go different places. And then they're just like, right. I think I've been around here before. I'm in a weird part of town, but I'm definitely sure. You know, in this is a Vorthos thing. Do the cab drivers go to every different district or know all the families, right? Do you drive for all the families or just drive for a specific family? Interesting. Do they have their own drivers? Worth, think worth thinking about. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought the usual narrative was taxi drivers like taking advantage of tourists. You know? That's Yeah, that's usually that's, what That's it where is. I thought this was going, but then it went the opposite it way. It went the opposite way. I got a couple more cards on my list. I have Professional Facebreaker, which is two in a red for a 2-3 human warrior with menace. It says whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, create a treasure token. And then you can sacrifice a treasure token to exile the top card of your library. You may play this card this turn. This is a card that I just think would be fun to play in a treasures deck. There's already a teamer treasures deck, but you were talking about a Jund one as well. Um, mm -hmm. any 
card that's good with treasures and good with Goldspan Dragon that is not five mana seems good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something good can happen from this. It's not two, so you don't fight with um, freaking what's-her-face, the dwarf lady. And uh, you you aren't fighting with Goldspan Dragon. And this is the Goldspan Dragon problem of, I have so much mana, but nothing to do with it. This card's like, hey, exactly. play some fucking cards with all your mana. Um, I think this card could do some work. And uh, I, I think it's great. I, I just want to have some because... I think it's going to weave its way into something. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think it's going to be sweet. Plus, you play this on three. You attack with your Magda and your Jaspera Sentinel. You make it three treasures? Yeah. Oh, no, it's one or more. It's one so or you more. you just get the two. But you still, but you still get more than you would have from the old tappy-tappy. Yeah. And, and then you play your, your uh, Goldspan Dragon on four. Boom. Awesome. Love it. Oh, this makes Goldspan create extra treasures. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> on attack and on hit. Boom. So that seems sweet. And then the last and card. And on, you know, target. Yeah, and on and all the other Because Goldspan needed to generate more treasures yeah. than it currently does. Uh, Goldspan needs to be a professional face breaker is what it is. So, um, yeah, I like this card. That's fun. This card. I don't know. It's, it's like on the border for me whether I think it's going to show up. But if there's a treasures deck... I can see this yeah. part of it. I think there, there will probably be a treasure stack. Whether this card is a predominant part of it, I don't know. I would hope that maybe one... A sideboard card. Yeah, it feels like maybe... Card advantage turn your late game treasures into cards. Like, maybe it's good, It's better in, like... Uh, contr- probably not control matchups. I don't know what it'll be, but... Um, I think it'll, it'll be... You'll have a couple. I don't know if it's it's going to be like a like mainstay. Decks that don't play a lot of removal, right? Because mm-hmm. then you, you could generate a lot of treasure off this thing. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it seems like a pretty great card. So I, I'm uh, happy for that. And then the last card, of course, is the Praetor. I just want to have Eurobrask. We talked about this card last week. Uh, so go, yeah. go check that out. But I like the Praetors. If I see a Praetor, I'm probably going to take it. It's really hard not to take a Praetor. And I think I just know myself at this point, you know? I just know that yeah. I'm going to take it, so I'm just going to put it on the list so I don't feel bad right. about just it. Just have it there. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. I have one that makes you jealous. Are you kidding me? That was... You yeah. said your pre-release pool was trash, and you got that card? Yeah, it was, but it did have this card. Yeah. Get out of town. Yeah. My opponent... I usually had to play it on defense to block because I was so far behind, but... Uh... But, like, my opponent plays a Eurobrask, I'm like, oh, yeah, but my pool was trash. I'd be like, what the fuck, bro? It was, man, it was. <laughs> that was the only good card. Oh, right, whatever. Oh, and the Thrag Tusk. I had the Thrag Tusk, too, so I had two good cards. You know what? <laughs> I think that I don't know if I believe you when you talk about if you have a good pool or not. <laughs> I think you were just having a fun pre-release, and... Uh, didn't do well. You were focused on the beer afterwards. That's what I think. I definitely was focused on that. But uh, I also had the card that uh, gives stuff uh, blitz, basically. Like, it copies stuff and gives it blitz. And I really wanted to copy Thrag Tusk, but I never was able to assemble that combo, oh. unfortunately. Well, see, okay, so that makes your whole play, your pre-release story make sense where you did have a sweet combo that you were interested in doing. That's why you kept yeah. in the Jund colors. You didn't tell me this. You told me that you well, all your cards Well, it was between Jund or Cabaretti, right? So it was, I was red-green for sure. Okay, so you probably should have just dropped any of your black cards? 
and gone for the white ones. Honestly, the white ones are better. So just like play the white cards. I did have that white angel that comes in with two shield counters. That That's sounds very good. What are you? <laughs> you know what? I really hope is that card legendary? Because if I could have copied it, that might have been pretty busted. No, it, it it's not legendary. <laughs> you had this card. Yeah, I probably. I probably Sanctuary Warden. You had Sanctuary Warden? What the fuck is yeah, wrong with it was, you? it was like a foil. Though. You got a Sanctuary Warden and a Eurobrask? Fuck out of here, bro. Actually, actually, that was the same pack. The Sanctuary Warden was foil. You got a... And the Eurobrask was... Ridiculous. You know what? I am never listening to you ever again about your... No, no my, my comments were so bad, though. I had a oh, lot of topics. My comments were so bad, though. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I pulled all the good mythics and foil and, like, alt art. But, like, I could, all my comments were bad. Get out of yeah, here. That's what happened. <laughs> and, and it had no fixing. No fixing. So I had a wildly inconsistent deck. <laughs> Whatever. That's a pre-release. Get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Play your white All cards. right, you're right. I, I just suck. <laughs> You're the worst. I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I get that. It's a double white mythic. Like, where are you going to play it? And you have no treasure makers. For sure. I I understand. the. If I was there, I would have forced you to play white, but I wasn't there. Yeah, I think I should have, actually. I also would have this forced you to I play. I needed you, man. I needed you there. Yeah, I would have forced you to play 41 cards and have extra white oh. lands. I don't, know. I don't think that would have worked. Out. I would have slipped it in when you weren't looking, and you would have been DQ'd. <laughs> Yeah, because they did deck registration. <laughs> the pre-release. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We are getting off topic, but um, uh, that's what we do. Hey, you, you signed up for it. I just want to remind everyone that, uh, you know, acquisition time is awesome, and it's really great to, to once again, come in with a plan. I've said this multiple times this episode. But um, if you're listening to this and you're like oh that sounds fun i will definitely do that and then you go home and you don't just do it just go on scryfall type in nukapena see all the cards say rare and mythic cards that's all i want to look at and pick the triumphs and then five other cards just do that give yourself the task yeah you, you do have to pick the triumphs yeah it can take five minutes you just pick what they are just say you don't even just just make a choice and then stick to it and see what happens this time. You know, it, it will be really yeah. just, it can be really helpful. So, yeah. And one thing I did want to mention is like, you know, we're making it sound like, oh, we're drafting to build the collection. We're going to pick what cards we want to pick too. Like also we're having a ton of fun drafting at this portion. Like, yeah. It's not like we're only doing this to rare draft cards and then we draft because we have to or, or something. No, no, no. We're, we're enjoying the draft. We're drafting a lot, but you also want to have this eye out for the future when you're going to want to play constructed. Right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to make it sound like we're just forcing ourselves to draft against our wills. So no. Pick up cards, you know? <laughs> like, no, we love draft. If anything, I think I love draft a ton and I would draft all the time. And Jeff, you see more like you, you really love, we both love both, but like you like constructed yeah. a lot and brewing. For me, it's more format to format how much of the draft I play. Because some of them, I just, like, love them, and I play them all, Mm -hmm. like, constantly. Uh, And it's not even necessarily the same formats that other people like. Like, it was just Zendikar Rising, for whatever reason. I can love that set. That's so funny. (laughs) Because I was, like, very medium on that set. Um, Yeah, I I drafted so much of that set. But, like, when we queue up, I'm usually like, can I draft today? And I feel like Jeff is like, 
can I play my new standard deck that I want to play? Um, <laughs> right. So we do have different... Actually, well, it's going to be Explorer. Explorer now, yeah. Um, so we do have kind of different things where we, we start out, but um, but we like playing both, obviously. So, mm-hmm. hey, diversify. Hey, your format doesn't define you. You can play whatever you want, whatever the most exciting thing is at the time. If uh, Historic gets crazy or Alchemy... I'll probably jump into those cues again. So, and there's something to be said with the new cues, you know, like maybe it's reasonable to build a collection by playing constructed now. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, there's a startup cost. You need a deck to play constructed, but uh, I don't know. Maybe the rewards are like the EV of those events is good enough that what we've been saying. Is, I think my guess is what we've been saying is still true that draft is the most efficient way to build a collection, but. Before, it was next to impossible to build a collection playing Constructed without spending any money. Like, you Mm -hmm. had to either play Draft or spend money. Now, maybe it is possible. Mm -hmm. I still think you're going to be more efficient if you play some Limited, but uh, it could be possible now. Yeah, I think it is definitely possible, especially with getting packs that help your uh, wildcard wheel, which wildcards are really important for Constructed, mean zero in limited um mm-hmm. and uh so i think they're starting to to figure some of those things out um though please keep the uh the limited prize support the way it is i like it the way it is don't change it please just keep it the way yeah i've gotten i've gotten used to it you know yeah my like happy with four mm-hmm. ecstatic with five plus you know i already have those built in yeah mine might be a little bit lower i'm like okay with three i'm like well at least i got three all right it does depend on the deck sometimes you come out of the draft you'd be like i'll be happy with two yeah (laughs) if i can get one win that'd be amazing um yeah anyway we're going to talk a lot about these over the the next few weeks uh so get ready for a lot of well talk about new capena and talk about all this stuff if you're not into that, what are you here for? Like, yeah, <laughs> new magic set. That's we're come on, new magic set, new magic format, new magic OP. It's the best time. Is that not enough for you? What more do you want? What do you want, <laughs> uh, Jeff? I think it's time for last call. Yes, we got to rate these beers we've been drinking this evening from Third Moon oh Brewing Company over in Milton, Ontario. <clears throat> mm, good stuff tonight. Um, before we pick which beers we uh, we like the best, let's run through our rating system. So, as always, our rating system is from Bronze to Mythic, which is the Tears in Arena. Look at that. How crazy. Um, this has nothing to do with which tier you're in. Personally, don't feel bad how we talk about certain tiers. All of us have been in all these different tiers, and currently, I believe I'm Silver in Limited. So, um you know? Yeah, but I don't know if you heard earlier. I actually got top one thousand mythic in, in both constructed and limited. Uh, so you know. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, Jeff. I just in case in case you didn't hear that. Jeff, I, just that was a long time ago. That's a really long time ago. Don't want anyone to forget. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's run through it. So bronze beers are uh, trash. They're really bad. Um, you can barely finish them, and you have to pour them out. Uh, just a bronze beer is just like you left it in the sun too long. You should have opened that a lot yeah. sooner. <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't at 14 degrees. Uh, <laughs> Silver beers, these are macro brews, or they just don't have a ton going on. You know, uninteresting. 
Uh, gold beers are, are fine. You know, you, you drink it, but you like you don't ever think about it. Platinum beers, these are solid. You will drink these again, uh, you know, but you won't write home about them. Diamond beers are exceptional. You would recommend these to a friend, and uh, these are the ones that you go to the bar uh, specifically because you know they have it on tap. Yeah, and Mythic, best of the best, you know. Uh, you might even travel way further to that bar for one of these, or uh, these are the ones you'd recommend to anyone who will listen. Yeah, these are the ones that you buy a plane ticket to go to the brewery for. Like, that. <laughs> yeah, these exactly. are those beers. You, like, know? you might be wearing the shirt, you know. Like, yeah. Wearing the swag. Like, you put the decal on the back of your car. Like, come on. Like, that's... <laughs> that you, you have to make sure that those are the good ones. So, Jeff... What are we thinking about these two beers? Do you have yours in mind? I think I have my choice, yeah. I think I know which one I want, but, um, you know, I'm just going to grab it. Here we go. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. Three, two, one. Death. Dead don't die. Oh. All right. Not too surprised. Not too surprised. Yeah, not super surprised. Um, (laughs) We picked our own beers this evening. Um, This happens quite often. that hasn't... I feel like it hasn't happened in a while, though. We've kind of been in agreement a few weeks in a row. <laughs> You're right. It hasn't happened in a while, but it does happen often enough. Yeah, it's. I would say it's the most common result. It is the most common result. Um, I kind of want to talk about my beer first, honestly. Um, well, then, no. Uh, you know, what the I was going to be a gentleman and let you, but because you said that, no. I, no, okay, wait, I, I, I okay, sorry. Can I please talk about my beer first? That's a little better. That's a little All right. better, but. Um, vanilla bean dead don't die. This is a weird beer. This was weird. Yes. Um, and the reason I picked it is because I think we didn't drink it at the right temperature. (laughs) (laughs) I was legitimately like, this would be better if it was less cold. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be. But this, and the reason I picked it, is the first time I have drank a beer and thought it tasted like bubblegum. Oh. This is the beer. And I immediately thought of you, and I thought of your brother, right? It's your brother that thinks mm-hmm. that beers taste like bubblegum? Yes. Certain beers. And I want to know why now. Is it the vanilla bean and lactose? Is that what makes the bubblegum? But it did. My first sip was like, holy shit, this is bubblegum. And it was weird. See, I didn't get that, but now that I just took a sip after you said that, it does. It, it does taste like bubblegum. Right. Because yeah. um, immediately, and I never think of bubblegum when I'm drinking beer. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. You listeners at home, do you think of bubblegum when you drink beer? Probably not. Not that this beer felt like, oh, it should have been called Bubblegum Dead Don't Die, which would have been a really weird name. <laughs> but right, that's definitely what I got. Uh, and I, and I picked it because it was weird enough that I will remember that. And I did like the beer. But I do want to know what it tastes like at a warmer temperature. Which is, I've never, ever said that about a beer. Never. Yeah. <laughs> I think it around 14 degrees, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, I was hung up on the vanilla. Like, I got a lot of vanilla when I was drinking it mm-hmm. earlier. But now that you mention it, like, yeah, this is the bubble gum taste Mm -hmm. just wasn't in the mindset for that uh i think it was too much vanilla for me every time i drank it i'm like that's a lot of vanilla (laughs) otherwise fine i guess but yeah i I do remember thinking like because the flavors are so strong 
and like what's the way to explain it like that doesn't really get affected by the temperature but the beery flavors do tend to subside when they're really cold like that's one of the reasons Mm -hmm. people drink cold beers it's like uh not as harsh and i think it might have been better balanced if it wasn't as cold because it's like the cold is kind of pushing back the beer flavors that that would balance that heavy vanilla i think interesting yeah i could see that where like vanilla shines through the cold um that's my hypothesis yeah Yeah. um this is a weird beer uh i think i'm just gonna give it platinum because i i did enjoy it and i thought it was solid um and i would uh i would drink it again this one was platinum all the way for me Mm -hmm. like literally sip one i was like i think this is platinum but maybe it could squeak its way into diamond if I didn't keep it so cold. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'd have to try it. Which is so funny. Um, Fortunately, we only bought one, so. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to try that experiment another time. But uh, the brewers are listening like, God damn it. We put it on the can for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's so small. It should have been in big letters right by the logo. They should put, serve it 14 degrees. If you serve it colder than that, it tastes like bubble <laughs> uh then no one would buy it jeff um yeah let's talk about death dealer okay um death dealer yeah uh to me when this was one of those ones when i just i took my first sip and it was one of those like punch in the mouth moments where it's like whoa that's a lot going on in my first sip when i haven't had anything yet Mm -hmm. Uh, and i like that i think that's really nice like i think when you get a big porter or a big stout it's not supposed to be mellow, so, you know, it is supposed to open up your palate when you take the first sip. And so this definitely delivered for me on that. It, it dealt the death that it, <laughs> that it uh, claimed. I think it was a bit downhill from that point for me. Like, mm-hmm. you want it to punch you in the mouth and then open up. When your palate opens up, you get all these cool flavors. And I don't think I got all of these cool flavors that I was hoping would happen after that. Um, but... It, it, you know, it's still fine. It's still a well-made porter, I think, on, on the balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, just maybe lacking a little uh, pizzazz. Yeah, a little oomph. Um, yeah. I agree. Uh, I, I definitely felt that, that kind of punch in the mouth right at the beginning. As I was going, it, it kind of had high notes and low notes, but there was missing a bit of a middle for me. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I did enjoy the whole thing, and I, I love the Boromir aspect of it. But, um, right. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I think uh, as porters go, I thought it was also uh, fairly solid, and and I don't, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I'm going to rate it badly, but uh, it uh, it didn't wow me a lot. But yeah, I think this one's platinum as yeah. well. I mean. I thought it was going to lose because it was platinum and then you brought this big stout Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, the stout's probably going to, you know, platinum's kind of a low bar to set for for a beer like this. For stouts, yeah. Because it's specialized and, you know, they spend a lot of time making them and and all that. But, uh, yeah, I still think I I preferred it because it was more in line with expectations. Like, the other one wasn't what I was expecting and not necessarily in a good way. And I think that's why I gave the edge to the death dealer. Yeah. And I think that um, in our Porter Stout battle, I kind of gave the edge to the stout. It did have, it did taste like bubble gum, but it did have more of a body in the middle uh, as opposed right. to the Porter, which felt a little, it, uh, 
lacking, but I, I do agree that it's still a platinum beer. Um, it doesn't fall into the, the gold range that, uh, um, I liked them both. I definitely try them both again. I liked them both, but I was hoping for a double diamond tonight and I got a double platinum night. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So anyway, with that, uh, double platinums, let's go into closing time. As always, you can reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You might also run into us on MTG Arena itself under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. You can find me personally at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at BluesBruiseMTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can rate us there as well. Uh, follow us on every place that you are listening to us right now. Go to our YouTube channel and uh, check it out. There's uh, nothing there. And um, <laughs> just, um, you know, reach out to us. Find out when we're going to a pre-release because we would love to grab beers with you whenever we can. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that no matter what Zach tells you, my pre-release pool was bad. Good night. That's fine.